podcast up, get you rolling with a little news that is good news. Good morning. President Biden made bold promises to defeat the coronavirus, but he has broken these promises made to the American people. The president repeatedly pledged to shut down the virus, but he is not. Just look at the facts. More people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020, and cases are surging across the nation. President Biden promised to deliver a national plan to get the virus under control, but recently he admitted there is no federal solution. President Biden promised to follow the science and listen to the experts. Yet this administration sidelined vaccine experts at the FDA and allowed a radical teachers union to dictate the CDC's school reopening guidance. President Biden promised to improve the availability of COVID tests. But as the holiday season approached and cases began to skyrocket, test kits were scarce and lines were long. President Biden told Americans the vaccine would not be mandatory. But then he issued several authoritarian mandates requiring American workers to be vaccinated or risk losing their jobs and health care plans. President Biden's top medical advisor, Dr. Fauci, publicly shut down the idea COVID originated from the Wuhan lab. But as Congressman Jordan just explained, we now know from emails unredacted that Dr. Fauci was warned early on by top scientists that the virus likely came from a lab leak and looked genetically manipulated. Since President Biden assumed office, he has failed at every turn. All President Biden has shut down is the American people's confidence in his ability to lead us through this pandemic. Congress must conduct oversight of President Biden's failed response, but Democrats have refused at every turn. Democrats pledged to be forward-looking in their pandemic oversight. Yet they continue to limit their oversight to the Trump administration. Broken promises at the White House, broken promises in Congress. The American people deserve answers. The Republicans on the House Oversight Committee will not stop trying to uncover all the hidden information, all the uh, redacted emails that this administration will not turn over, that Dr. Fauci will not turn over. We're going to continue to dig. We're going to continue to probe because the American people deserve answers. And when House Republicans are in control of the House, I can assure you we're going to get those answers. So that's going to be a big problem for the Democrats and Dr. Falsey after the 2022 election and when the new Congress is sworn in, but for the momentary, we'll take a little break here and come back with some Louis Anderson comedy. So today I learned we lost a, a comedy legend, Louis Anderson. Uh, seemed like a real nice guy. Second here, I had the ple- I had the pleasure of meeting Louis Anderson. We uh, shared a flight together from Pittsburgh to Atlanta. I was uh, going to Atlanta to uh, catch a or to an AFLAC conference. I want a trip to corporate headquarters or earned a trip to corporate headquarters for being one of their best salesmen in my first like three or six months and anyways a buddy of mine said hey let me stop rattling my cigar bag a buddy of mine said hey that's Louis Anderson and so I had my big camera up and was getting ready to take a picture of him without him knowing it so I thought well he saw me raise my camera and when I saw him look over I quickly put my head down and my camera down and my buddy's like he's motioning for you to come over and so uh, I went up and uh, met him got a picture he and my he and myself and he and my buddy seemed like a really nice guy and uh so i'm gonna light up 
and uh, play a little stand-up comedy here by Louis Anderson. I walk to school every damn day. How many dads here tonight? A lot of dads? Applaud if you're a dad. Yeah. My dad was the kind of guy who didn't like people. We'd be in the family car driving down the street, and my dad would spot somebody walking down the street that was a little different. Oh, he'd slow that car down. Look at that. We're crying out loud. Get my rifle. Or he'd say things that made no sense to us. We were kids in the back seat. You know, if I was the last person on earth, some moron would turn left in front of me. <laughs> what? And whenever he'd say that, too, if I was the last person on earth, you'd always turn to your brother and go, wish he was, don't you? <laughs> my dad, I heard that. You kids want to walk home from here? Well, yeah, we're in the garage. <laughs> Don't get smart with me. That was my favorite. Don't get smart with me. Weren't you always tempted to go, huh? How's <laughs> oh, this, Dad? Am I acting stupid enough for you? <laughs> and then they would threaten you. I'll drive you 20 miles and drop you off. <laughs> Don't forget that's how far I had to walk to school every damn day. <laughs> and my brother would chime in, and you didn't have any shoes either, did you, Dad? <laughs> that's right, when I was a kid, they didn't have children. <laughs> what are we going to say to our kid? I didn't get cable till I was 12. <laughs> Because I don't want to give you the wrong impression of my dad. Yeah. He never hit us. Carried a gun. <laughs> well, he never shot us. He just... <laughs> Very effective, I'll tell you. Hey, thanks for watching my video. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, subscribe to my channel. Just press this. There are some great stuff coming. Me and... No, you can't subscribe to his channel now. I, mean, I guess you can. I just won't be saying anything uh, new. Um, if you were a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, Louis Anderson was well known, one of the uh, top stand up comics. Um, his best was probably his uh, 1988 HBO stand up special. And for comics, you know, they didn't have specials like once or twice or three times a year. Uh, the only one that really did a lot of HBO specials were like George Carlin. He would have one every couple years. Um, I, I used to be a George Carlin fan. I am not anymore. But... Um, It was uh, it was something special, you know. It was not a long. There wasn't you know every day that you know comics were on TV. You know they were on like uh, uh, Johnny Carson like once a year. Uh, you know they did one HBO special or two. And that was it, you know. And if you didn't have HBO, you had to have a friend uh, recorded on a VHS tape. <laughs> Some people don't even know what that is now, but, uh, you know, it, it was just something special. You know, maybe it would come out on videotape and you'd run down to the local video store and rent it or something like that. But, it, you know... Uh, you know, he had a cartoon life with Louie. He was one of the hosts of 
uh, Family Feud at one time. And on Family Feud, he got, I don't know why, but he got a bad rap. Uh, supposedly he was mean to the guests or acted, people said he acted arrogant. I don't know. Uh, he certainly wasn't when I met him. Um, and he was kind of trying to rehab his reputation after that rude, that rumor that he was uh, rude on Family Feud. So, you know, he asked me to send that picture to his um, website, uh, which I did, and I posted on uh, whatever social medias there were, like maybe Twitter and Facebook, uh, uh, on his Facebook page, and uh, maybe on his Twitter, I don't know. Uh, it's been a few years now, but it just seemed like the other day I heard he, you know, they had a thing on Facebook, one of the other celebrities, um, prayers for Louis Anderson, he's got cancer, and then just a couple of days later, he's dead. Uh, it was, he'd been battling cancer for a while, and it was, it was blood cancer, so that's a, man, um, so, yeah, that's the loss of a legend, you know, the thing I like about Louis is, you know, he, he did that whole, whatever it was, three-minute joke. And you didn't hear one swear word. And I know it's not a big deal anymore. Um, but there's just times when you want to hear stand-up comedy without, you know, F this and F that and sex this and sex that. And, you know, Louie was one of those people who was so funny and such a good comic that he could be funny without having to put anything else in there. Like, I never got Andrew Dice Clay. Like, I swear to you, Andrew Dice Clay could walk out onto the stage and say the F word. And I know I swear in some of these videos, but I get excited. But his whole, Andrew Dice Clay's whole show could be one word, F, and then he could walk off stage and his fans would just roll on the floor laughing. I, I don't get that. You know, I, I just, alright, that's cool. You know, but, like the one time I tried to watch, and I, I probably watched the whole thing. Uh, somehow, it must have been like a free weekend because my grandparents didn't allow HBO. Not in this house. And also, uh, if you could finagle your cable converter box at the time because they had dials and knobs on them, you could tune in HBO to where it was watchable. Uh, and we didn't have HD back then, so, I mean, watchable was, you know, there was a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, so anyhow, but, but, you know, there's some cute, they planted a blonde model with big breastuses, uh, in the front row. And there was some spaz looking guy sitting there with, uh, next to a woman, I think was his wife. And the blonde model comes and sits in the empty seat next to him. And Dice Clay walks right up to the guy and goes, would you F her? And the audience just, oh, and this goofy guy looks over at her. He's like, "Come on, yeah." I mean, it was—it's funny, but it's not like—it's funny because it's controversial and it's silly, stupid, ignorant. You know, it's not. There's no timing involved with that. There's no punchline. There's no story that builds you up and then pays off or that makes you laugh throughout the story so, uh, rest in peace Louis Anderson thanks for the memories thanks for the picture uh, and uh, hopefully you're telling jokes in heaven right now um, another uh, tragic loss of life in the stardom world we had today was uh, meatloaf the singer Meatloaf, who huge in the 70s and uh, 
made a comeback in the 90s when I was a kid. And he had great songs that told a story. And they went on to become rock anthems. When I was a kid, it was, um, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And everybody was like, what is that? And so uh, later on, I had a, I think it was VH1 Storytellers or something on MTV. And he explained <clears throat> that, you know, the word that in the song is something different for everyone else. I would do anything for love, but I won't take out the garbage, is how he explained it. But it was a song that, you know, was uh, an, a rock anthem. And I'm going to play another one for you, and then I'm going to end this segment. But this is one of his songs that really captivated people. And they actually got legendary baseball announcer Phil Rizzuto to do a baseball play-by-play -play in the middle of the song where in the 70s and 80s, okay, for those of you that don't know, uh, going out on a date, guys would have baseball analogies. If you got to first base, it was like a kiss. If it got to second base, it was, uh, you know, making out if it you got the third base i don't know what third base was but uh if you got the home base or home run that means sex so phil rizzuto when they made this song was like the new york yankees the best baseball team in the world's play-by-play -play guy and here he is doing this play-by-play -play baseball analogy in the middle of this song about two kids uh, parking, uh, parking uh, was, uh, you know, when you go out and, uh, on Lover's Lane, wherever that might be in your town, and you park the car and you and the girl made out, kissed, you know, whatever. See how far you could get. See if you could get the home base. Yeah, a little outdated, maybe a little ignorant and raunchy, but not raunchy, but, you know, politically incorrect by today's standards, but life was simple and fun back in the olden days. Uh, so here's uh, Meatloaf, rest in peace. Uh, Ever had a girl looking at
really flying. He's rounding first and really turning it on now. He's not letting him fall. He's going to drive the second. The ball is bottled out center, and here comes the throw, and what a throw. He's going to slide in head first. Here he comes. He's out. No way safe. Safe at second base. This kid really makes things happen out there. Matter steps up to the plate. Here's the pitch, and he's going, and what a jump he's got. He's trying the third. Here's the throw, and in the dirt. Safe at third. Holy cow, stolen base. Taking a pretty big lead out there, almost daring him to try and pick him off. Pitcher glasses over, winds up, and it's fun and fun and down the third baseline as Suicide squeezes on. Here he comes, squeeze play is going to be close. Here's the throw, here's the play at the plate. Holy cow, I think he's going to make it. Stop right there. I gotta go right now. Before we go any further, do you love me? Will you love me forever? Do you need me? Will you never leave me? Will you make me so happy for the rest of my life? Will you take me away? Will you make me away? Do you love me? in the dashboard lights the woman in that song uh when i first heard it uh somebody said they thought it was pat benatar uh it's actually ellen foley i don't know what relation she had to meatloaf other than singing that song with him or how she got into the song and no one probably cares <laughs> but it's a good song meatloaf and ellen foley rock anthem uh i first heard that song my friend who thought he was like a gangster rapper 
blonde, strangely enough, blonde-headed Italian kid. Uh, neither of his parents are blonde. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, he, he was dating and had child with and eventually married a, a girl and divorced her soon after. Uh, but anyhow, uh, she introduced us to that song. And, you know, it was so funny. Oh, this is hilarious. Listen to this baseball guy, blah, 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 in the middle of a, a rock song. So, anyways, that's Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Meatloaf uh, died controversially. Um, he is an anti-vaccine mandate and anti-mask mandate person. And he died... Uh, as of right now, we know he died of COVID-19. So, uh, he was 74 years of age. Uh, obviously, in, in the category of the most vulnerable to COVID-19. But also in the category of people which the vaccine is the least potent for. So, not to get off on that, but... In order for the vaccine to be its most effective, you have to have zero comorbidities, be below 50 years old, and in good health. And I'll be damned, that's the uh, age range of people that uh, are least susceptible to death by COVID-19. But anyways, uh, yeah, all the headlines are reading instead of, you know, Remembering Meatloaf as a rock legend, uh, they are patronizing or mocking, you know, anti-vaccine, anti-mask rock star dies of COVID. So uh, I want to pay homage to Meatloaf for the memories and the songs that he made and the fun times at parties we had listening to his music when I was in my 20s uh, and uh, just phenomenal singer you know guy, a guy kind of like John Madden looked like an unmade bed <laughs> if you could describe him looked like a guy that ate a lot of meatloaf kind of like me but uh, he had a good voice uh, good songwriter great performer and uh will certainly be missed by friends and family. I never heard a bad thing about Meatloaf as a human being. So, rest in peace, Meatloaf. Guy that never, no one ever knew his real name. Only his stage name, Meatloaf. I think that's a sign of a real legend. So, alright, we'll end that. So this is Americana, the American way. I am Big John on Parlor. You can find me at the Real Big John, all one word, on the Gab, the Getter, and Twitter. You can find me at the Real underscore Big John, and of course all the podcast apps. This is Americana, the American way podcast, and on Rumble. It is Americana, the American Way channel. So with that, uh, the romance gone wrong that was Brian Laundrie and Gabby Patino seem like two people with uh, some mental illness issues um, and a tumultuous relationship from the time they were in high school. Uh, it captivated the nation and really law enforcement was aided in this investigation by by uh, internet sleuths internet detectives if you will uh, things went up on message boards and on social media about this young lady who was 
uh, reported missing by her fiance a couple weeks after he returned from a cross-country vacation in uh, a van that she purchased or rented and they've made a living space in the back and uh, we're taking this cross-country trip. Sounds all, all good and fun and happy, but uh, here's what the, uh, the news is reporting. In its final report on the investigation into Gabby Patino's death, the FBI wrote that Brian Laundrie claimed responsibility for his fiance's death in a notebook found near his remains. Uh, Petito's, Petito's, sorry, I've been saying Patino like the basketball coach. Petito, uh, her body was found in Wyoming in September, and Laundrie's body was found in a Florida reserve weeks later. A reserve is like a, a nature reserve or a park, but it's like huge, a huge park. Um, they said when they found him, there was a backpack and other items. Uh, apparently there was a gun in there too. So it sounds like he committed suicide in the park. And, uh, you know, internet people started looking at her social media posts and, uh, uh, things of that nature. And when she went off the grid and they kind of helped police narrow down like when and where she might have died or went missing because after she died, laundry had her cell phone and he continued a text conversation between he and her to make it look like she was still alive. So her cell phone would be pinging off towers, uh, you know, to throw the police off. And also, if they went through his cell phone or found her cell phone and went through it, they would see this conversation between the two of them. Uh, but... Evidently, this notebook, they said it was in like a a sealed bag. I don't know if it was like a Ziploc bag, but to give you some frame of reference, uh, it was in a bag that was waterproof inside the backpack. And in this notebook, I guess he claims responsibility for Gabby's death. Uh, let's read on in the article here. Uh, the FBI in Denver, because that's where she first went missing, where she was last seen alive, I guess you would say, uh, which led the investigation. Well, that FBI office covers Wyoming too. That's what I'm. That's what happened. The Denver FBI headquarters has jurisdiction over that region. Okay. Now that I got my facts straight. Uh, a backpack and a revolver found near the remains uh, later identified as Laundry. In the notebook was Laundry's written confession, the FBI said. Wow. Uh, the FBI Friday confirmed that Laundry had been attempting to deceive law enforcement by giving the impression that Miss... Petito was still alive by continuing a text chain between their two cell phone their two phones after she is believed to have died. Laundry used Petito's debit card while driving alone from Wyoming to his parents' home in Florida in early September, the FBI said. Uh Laundry was the focus of the investigation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he disappeared from his parents' home in Florida while authorities were searching for Petito. His remains were eventually found after a weeks-long manhunt at Carlton Reserve, and authorities determined he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So, uh, a murder-suicide. 
Uh, it says Petito died of blunt force injuries to the head and neck with manual strangulation. strangulation. So he, he beat her over the head with some sort of blunt object uh, over her head and neck and then uh, strangled her, choked her to death. Uh, Lieutenant Tenton County Coroner's Office had previously announced in October that she died of strangulation. Okay, the investigation did not identify any other individuals other than Brian Laundrie directly involved with the tragic death of Debbie Petito. The FBI concluded. Now, I'm further interested to see if, if there's any follow up news on this because after these types of crimes, the FBI will go through uh, people's social media, uh, through their uh, personal records, through their history, um, you know, any psychological reports there might be that they can uh, subpoena or get their hands on, uh, any records out there and develop a psychological profile of the individuals. Uh, most famously, the uh, uh, shooters of uh, Columbine High School, after the FBI did their uh, post-mortem uh, psychological analysis, you know, we found out that the one was a psychopath at the highest level and should have been uh, institutionalized, and the other was a sociopath that needed a more powerful psychopath to drive him to do what they did. It would be interesting to see what the psychological profile uh, the FBI comes up with of Brian Petito or Brian Laundry and uh, Gabby Petito what made these two attracted to each other, their types of personalities. Uh, everybody that knew them and every police report, you know, we heard talks about a, a relationship that was toxic where they fought, they broke up, they got back together, they fought, they broke up, and then ultimately they got together after high school got engaged and uh, it ended in tragedy. Um, there's obviously police body cam footage out there of when they were pulled over and different body language and uh, psychiatrists have looked at that that film and you know decided well Brian was playing the police uh, you know, to make himself seem like a victim. And, you know, she was the real victim, but she changed her story to try to protect Brian. Uh, she didn't really change her story. She maneuvered her story to make it sound like they were just fighting because she can be real obsessive compulsive, she said. And she was crying because she says she's got anxiety and depression and which it certainly seems like all those things are true, but uh, a lot more to it than that. So, uh, interesting case to follow if you uh, like to see how and why people act the way people act, like I do. So, what other fun, slap, happy, disgusting stuff is in the news? By the way, there's nothing fun and slap happy about murder. I was my sense of humor sometimes crosses the line. Uh, so God bless Gabby Patino and uh, rest in peace and um, say what you will about Brian Laundry. Leave it at that. Uh, this January 6th committee, another, another farce of the uh, government, another abuse of power, uh, abandonment of our principles, and witch hunt. 
for lack of a better term. Uh, the January 6th committee obtained a draft of post-insurrection White House remarks that said the election fight is over. Trump gave a speech but left out that sentence. Strange. Probably doesn't really fucking matter. Um, so, let's see here. January 6th commission reportedly has a Trump White House document titled Remarks on National Healing. The document was drafted for delivery the day after the riot and get, Trump gave nearly identical remarks. A line in the document Trump didn't say in his Twitter video is the election fight is over. Well, the election fight wasn't over. The riot at the Capitol was stupidity, ignorance, and somewhat instigated by uh, FBI, CIA, and other government agents provocateur. But a lot of stupid people did stupid things that day and need to be arrested and prosecuted. Now, a lot of them have been arrested. A lot of them are sitting in a gulag in Washington, D.C., some of them almost dying because of how piss poorly they're being treated by the Gestapo that's been appointed to run the gulag by Pelosi and her goons. But her day will come when we all stand before the Lord in judgment. And uh, that's not a threat. That's just a fact of life. I, you, my dog, maybe not my dog, Dharma and Greg that I'm watching in the background here, we all got to stand before God in judgment. So, anyhow. The House Select Committee. Select bunch of jackasses. Investigating the January 6th Capitol riot. Well, I like that part because it was a riot, not an insurrection. Uh, obtained a document from President Donald Trump's White House titled Remarks on National Healing, according to a Politico report. So you can check this out on politico.com for more information. Uh, the document is part of a slew of executive branch records that Trump's legal team tried to block the committee from getting access to. Politico reported... The Supreme Court on Wednesday denied Trump's request to block the release of some of his presidential records, clearing the way for the committee to obtain bullshit. Uh, the document contains remarks that appear to be scheduled for delivery a day after the Capitol riot. It's unclear who wrote the document <clears throat> on that day, January 7th, 2021. Trump released a video on Twitter which gave which he gave remarks nearly identical to those in the document minus one sentence. So I guess that one sentence would somehow have stopped stupid people from doing stupid things 24 hours in the past. Uh, a speech he gave on January 7th was somehow supposed to prevent a riot that happened 24 hours beforehand. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the riot started while Trump was still giving his remarks that day. Although Democrats, when they impeached him after he was out of office, cited his speech on January 6th as part of what instigated the riot. The riot and shenanigans were already going on by a separate group of people from the people that attended the, uh, I think it was called Save America Rally, or St oh, Stop the Steal Rally, that's what it was called. Uh, the people that were attending the Stop the Steal Rally were still at the rally while the riot was starting at the Capitol. So I don't know how Trump's speech was so whimsical. 
it traveled through the air. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Blanton from the real Ooh, South Africa. Stop. Stupid autoplay videos. Okay, so Trump's speech was so whimsical and magical, it magically traveled through the air beyond the range of the speaker system that was set up at the rally. And in it, it morphed itself into the brains, metastasized itself into the brains of some stupid people and that were agged on by agents provocateur and caused them to carry on at the Capitol. Now, mind you, a couple thousand people made their way into the Capitol. Uh, there were 750,000 to a million people there that day. Uh, let's just say 750,000 for math sakes. 748,000 did nothing. 2,000-ish people, give or take, went into the Capitol. Some stole things, some broke things. They need to be prosecuted. Some went in because they thought that's what the people outside are yelling at us to do. Uh, there were security officers that were moving barricades and saying go right through, which we all have video of this. We have video of left-wing instigators related to Black Lives Matter and Antifa uh, agging people on to uh, go into the Capitol. We have people who are possibly FBI informants or agent provocateur telling people tomorrow we need to go into the Capitol and the Trump supporters that uh, this guy is saying this to go no fed 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 basically calling him out as a federal undercover agent instigator <laughs> so us Trumpers are, are we a bit smarter than the liberals give us credit for. I am glad I did not go that day. Um, just because at the time I was a little excited. I was a little fired up. I was a little riled. And maybe I would have been one of those people to go into the Capitol. Um, and, I mean, I live in a rural part of Ohio, Wellsville, Ohio. And in my little area, the, the government knows that there are people that went to the Capitol that day. And there was a, um, a digital billboard that the FBI, with our tax dollars, uh, took out advertising on, paid advertising on a billboard. And it said, you know, if you know anyone who was in Washington, D.C., this is in uh, St. Clair Township, Ohio. You can Google what a rural, small area that is. Like, Walmart is the epicenter of action in St. Clair Township, okay? It's a lovely township. I love the people that work there and live there. But I'm being facetious. Walmart really is the epicenter, though, <laughs> of action in that township. Anyhow... FBI took out a billboard telling you to snitch on your friends who were at the Capitol on January 6th. Tis that a waste of tax dollars, player? I think so. I do believe, as Larry the Cable, the, the, as Larry the Cable guy would say, I believe. Britney Spears should be one of Baskin Robbins 31 flavors. No, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, th this whole government, the, the way the United States is heading, they all want us to snitch on each other. They all want us to be rats, whether it's the vax rats and snitches, whether it's they want you to, you know, care in one another to put on your mask. You're killing me. I've got three, four, sixteen vaccinations, but 
You're not wearing a mask, so I'm going to die because of you. You're going to die because you're a moron. It, I swear, if stupidity was a disease, half the people I know would be freaking dead. Uh, I shouldn't say half the people I know. Half the people you see on TV and Facebook and YouTube and whatever else carrying on about vaccines forever, vaccines, vaccines that don't work, that Trump rushed into production to get us back to quote-unquote normal. Are we back to normal? Is this the America you remember before March of 2020? Is this the America you remember from the 1980s and 90s and early 2000s where we partied like rock stars and tried to succeed and push ourselves to the limit to be as frugal and successful and happy live life liberty pursuit of happiness are, are we back to normal right now because of the vaccines that don't work <clears throat> they changed the definition of vaccinated when I, when I was a kid okay you, you get your vaccinations right uh Doctor, shoot your little ass in the butt when you're a year or two old. I don't know. Too young to remember. But you get your vaccination from tuberculosis. Get your vaccine from the polio. From the measles. Well, let's see. I haven't had tuberculosis yet. And I'm not at risk of catching or transmitting tuberculosis because I got vaccinated. Uh, I'm not at risk of catching measles or transmitting measles because I've been vaccinated from it. I have not gotten polio and I'm not a risk to transmit polio because I was vaccinated from it. This vaccine comes along and oh shit, shiznit. A few months after people get the vaccine... And they're like, okay, now you're going to get this, and it's going to take a couple weeks for it to take hold, so you could still catch COVID in that couple weeks. <clears throat> but then you're good. Well, like a month, two months after people get the first round of double vaccinations, they start getting COVID, and they were called breakthrough cases because it wasn't supposed to happen. And then they were supposed to... <laughs> It, it was said, well, no, 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 no. We didn't mean that uh, the vaccine would prevent you from getting COVID, but that's what you told us. And it was my boy Trump that put it into production. Operation Warp Speed. That way Biden could hit the ground running so that a year later, Biden could say there is no federal response to the pandemic. The states are going to have to do it on their own. <laughs> After the media and everybody blamed Trump for the spread of COVID and Biden said he was going to stop it on his first day in office by doing the same things that Trump already did. <laughs> Anyhow, so the January 6th witch hunt is on and it's all a shuck and jive the old, uh, the old, the old shell game, you know, where the the guy gets takes the the, the coconut sh or the peanut shells or whatever, and there's a a pea or a little BB or a little tiny ball of some sort under the the shell, and he moves these shells around. Watch where they go, where it stops, nobody knows, and then you're supposed to pick which shell the ball is under and it turns out there's a hole in the table and the ball is nowhere or you know he hid the ball when you weren't looking uh, slide of hand the hand can move faster than the eye and the brain and uh, that's what this January 6th stuff is they're trying to find a way to hurt Trump and his supporters, and I mean his top-level supporters, to the point where he cannot run for president 
to a point where uh, senators and Congress people cannot run for re-election. So that's what this January 6th nonsense is. This is why you're being asked to snitch on your neighbors because maybe one of them will have the smoking gun that doesn't exist that convicts Trump and all of us supporters to being guilty of um, the January 6th riot, being uh, a part of the wild, wild West riot that happened that day. Uh, it was a terrible thing. Certainly not the worst day in American history. Certainly not 9-11 or Pearl Harbor or Civil War-ish. Not an insurrection. Uh, it was a riot and some stupid people did stupid things on their own. And some stupid people were agged on by agents provocateur to do stupid things. Uh, the people that did the stupid things have to be held accountable for their actions. But the stupidest people of all are the ones that think that Trump really incited that riot to stop uh, democracy in its tracks and uh, overthrow a duly stolen election. But anyhow... That's it. I'm done. Talked talked about Meatloaf, Louie Anderson, Gabby Petito, Brian Landry, and January 6th riot. So we'll leave it at that. God bless you all. Let me see if I find another Meatloaf jam to take you home. Shouldn't be hard. He had a lot of great ones. Let's see what else is here. I pull up a meatloaf playlist and there's all Guns N' Roses songs on here. What the heck? Uh, let's get rid of that. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Here we go.
where it was. The late great meatloaf. Um, again, bless the families. Pray for the families of uh, Meatloaf and Louie Anderson tonight, and uh, all the people we don't know that their families lost a friend or loved one. Uh, every night when I say my prayers, uh, I ask God to bless the people who lost family and loved ones today. You know, people I don't know. You know, millions of people die around the world. Now, people die around the world every day, and their families need the grace of God. Um, so this has been Americana, the American way. I am Big John. Until next time, pray for each other. God bless you. Have a good night.